Hello and welcome into NCBI's Technology Podcast. My name is Stuart Lawler. This is episode number 59 for April 2017. Thank you, as always, for downloading and subscribing to our monthly technology podcast. Hope you've had a good month and that you're going to stay with us for the next 66 or so minutes because I'll be telling you about a new virtual technology support club that we're very excited about in NCBI and we're going to be launching on April the 6th. Sharon Lyons is along to tell us about a little-known feature in the Microsoft Office suite. Stay tuned because it's very interesting. We meet Jackie Brown, who has written a book all about Braille technology. She's an amazing lady and I think you'll enjoy catching up with her. And finally, Kerry Doyle, tech guru, tells us why she's left iPhone to go to Android. That's all coming up on this month's edition of NCBI's Technology Podcast. We're starting off this month with a couple of announcements. And first of all, thank you to those people who got in touch following the March edition of our technology podcast. And indeed, to people who get in touch at any time, uh, technologypodcast at ncbi.ie is that all-important email address. And it's really nice to hear from first-time listeners or from regular listeners or, or people who, who you know have been around for a while and just haven't gotten in touch, if you have any ideas or comments or suggestions. Now, One of the things we're going to speak about at at, at quite a bit of length on the May edition is uh, the issue of Windows XP. It's still quite prevalent, and I didn't realise this until a conversation I had with Paul Trainer, our Chief Tech Support Officer, a couple of days ago. And he was explaining to me, I suppose, the, uh, the level of calls and the level of support he is still receiving from people around Windows XP who are using machines that are quite a bit old now, um, but that they are using them and they want to try to maximize their use of, of, of those machines. And in NCBI, we always try to support people across a whole range of platforms and operating systems and devices. But we are concerned, I suppose, around Windows XP because what we can offer is limited because the technology is no longer being supported and many vendors um, have, I suppose, updated their technology and it is no longer applicable on Windows XP. So on the May edition of our podcast, we're going to spend a bit of time with Paul to talk about the issues currently being experienced by people who use Windows XP and strategies to get around them. And I suppose in the in the more long term, if you're using Windows XP, you do need to be thinking about how you're going to get away from Windows XP and how you're going to get a new system. And we'll talk a little bit about new systems and what's out there and and, you know, price points and all that kind of stuff. So that's on the May edition. If you have questions that you'd like me to include when I'm chatting with Paul, uh, you can send an email to technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. Now, over the last couple of years, we at NCBI have been delighted, I suppose, to facilitate and to support the development of a number of computer clubs. We've talked about this before on our technology podcast. We have the very vibrant computer club in Newbridge. There's a group in Clondalkin. Um, there's a group in Galway. There's groups all over the country, I suppose. And they are users coming together and sharing the knowledge. And the the basis for, for such clubs is, is, is very simple because nobody has all the answers. Uh, certainly in NCBI, we don't have all the answers and we're very happy to learn from our users. So these clubs are a great forum for people just to get together and to sit around a table and just share information. 
But one of the issues with uh, clubs or with peer support groups that exist in a certain location is that they're only useful for those people who can attend. And if for whatever reason you find it difficult to attend, it can lead to a lot of frustration and you're not getting the answers and you're not getting to share the same experiences as everybody else. So we've decided to go to the next step and launch our virtual technology support club, uh, which is very new territory for us here at NCBI, but we're very excited about it. We've been doing a bit of work on this over the last two and a half months or so, testing different systems, uh, doing a lot of stuff internally to make this happen. And we're very glad to announce the first meeting of this club on the 6th of April. Now, we've already published all the details about this event on our website. It's going to be on Thursday, the 6th of April, which at time of publication of this podcast is actually less than a week away but the group is going to probably meet once a month we'll we'll talk about that at the first meeting and if you miss a meeting or you can't attend online don't worry because we'll be podcasting the meetings and the audio will be made available on our website shortly thereafter now, if you'd like to get in, get involved, go to uh, www.ncbi.ie forward slash technology. There's a news item on our technology page, which will tell you exactly how you can get involved. And indeed, we have produced a quick start guide, which will allow you to uh, find out all about how to prepare your technology to join our virtual chat. We're using a, a piece of software called TeamTalk. We've done a fair bit of research on this, trying out different packages. TeamTalk's the one we've settled on. It's a voice conferencing uh, platform, but it also allows for video and text chat and, and all sorts of other things that we may take advantage of in the future. We're very excited about this um, and, and we're conscious that this is a, a very, as I said a, a moment ago, very new territory for us in NCBI, but something that we feel is essential because there are people who are not getting to join in these peer support groups who have lots of knowledge that uh, we could all benefit from. So if you'd like to get involved, ncbi.ie forward slash technology, you'll see the, uh, the link there to talk about our virtual technology club, or you can send me an email, of course, uh, you can send an email to, to technology podcast at ncbi.ie. I'll, I'll pick those up immediately and I'll be able to get back to anybody in the next few days who wants to join the first meeting of that group at uh, 7 p.m. Irish time uh, on Thursday, the 6th of April. And I've been asked by a few people, is it just for people in Ireland? Absolutely not. Anybody's welcome to join. Um, so if you're listening to this podcast and you're living outside Ireland and you think you can join our virtual meeting, then go to the website and you can find out all that you need to know. And we're looking forward to seeing a whole load of people, hopefully, online on Thursday, the 6th of April. <laughs> Time now for more shortcuts. And uh, as always, I'm delighted to be joined again virtually uh, by Sharon Lyons, who's in Clain. Sharon, welcome back. Hello, Stuart. Happy Friday. Oh, happy Friday. Yeah, we're recording on a Friday. Oh, my God. The weekend's almost the weekend. here. Yay. And, there's a, and there's a podcast <laughs> waiting to be produced, but that's OK, you know. <laughs> Um, so we're actually, uh, Sharon and I haven't been in studio together for a couple of months, but uh, we're back on Skype and got some nice mm-hmm. reaction to our last um, podcast uh, interview in yes. in March. 
when we were mm-hmm. on Skype. And uh, you've a uh, shout out for a gentleman in Maynooth. Yes, that's right. Yes. Um, uh, this month's Sharon Shortcuts is brought to you by <laughs> or via um, Simon Ahern in Maynooth. He's the um, educational technology officer in Maynooth University. So um, he gave me a little gem that I've kind of expanded on and that we'll be covering this month. Okay. So thank you, Simon. Thank you, Simon. I'm just thinking, as you mentioned that, Sharon, we could have a Sharon's Shortcut shout out each month. So if you want to be included in the shout out, email uh, technologypodcast at ncbi.ie or info at sharonsshortcuts.ie and we will compile a list of people to be shouted out at each month. And if you can send, of course, if you can send any suggestions for shortcuts, we're delighted to uh, hear from you as well. Absolutely. So, so Sharon, this feature that, um, that, that you're going to talk to us about is is really interesting because when you told me about it just before we came on air, um, the first thing I'm going to do when we finish recording this is go off and play with it because I, I kind of see a use for it, even as a blind person. Right, right. Yes. Let's see if your use is the same as my use. OK, mm. OK. I see a use for it as well. OK. <laughs> um, so, so this is a it's one of these interesting and it is quite interesting because Microsoft have been upping and, and it has to be said in a, in a great way, have been upping their level of accessibility across Office products in the last couple of years, especially in Office 2016. They've been doing all sorts of things. But this is a, a feature that my understanding is it's been there since Office 2010, although I have was not aware of it until this week. And I don't think you were either, Sharon. No, I wasn't. No. Um, yeah, Office Office 2010. Um to 2016 it's been there this whole time but it's not on any ribbon you see it's not kind of obvious so um but uh shall we put people out of their misery and tell them let's let's tell them about it what does it do it is the speak feature so uh quite simply it's a feature that will read out some um selected text so if you're in Word and you want Word to read out the paragraph, you select the paragraph and you um, you go to the speak feature and, uh, and off it goes. And this uses, a, a, it, it uses a, <laughs> the, the built-in Windows text-to-speech. Is, is, that, is yes, that how they do it? Okay. That's right. Oh, yes. Okay. So it uses the, the one, um, the narrator, basically. Okay. Yeah. So... Yeah highlighting a piece of text and then being able to get it to to speak um mm-hmm. in a in a in a different voice which is kind of what i was thinking as a as a blind screen reader user it might be interesting to be able to do occasionally if i wanted to hear yeah. something a way something is pronounced uh, differently so that's why i said that a f- few moments ago that was my thought right i've yet to right. see it in action so i'm looking forward to your demo okay Shannon. yeah and my use for it just while we're there is that um Sometimes I would like to um, read a document while I'm doing other things. So I might have written some instructions for somebody and then I would use like NVDA to read it back to me to see if it sounds right. Um, But if I do that, I can't do anything else at the same time, which maybe is a good thing because I should be concentrating. But um, if I use the speak feature... It will read the document out to me while I go off and check my email. 
So, right, because obviously alt-tabbing away from something while NVDA or JAWS or indeed any other screen access solution is reading will stop yeah. that and bring focus to the other program and the screen reader starts speaking to the other program. So your idea is as that... As it should. <laughs> as it should, yeah. So this uh, screen speak is talking away in the background. That's it, yeah, yeah. So I can do control A on a document and then go and then to read, speak yeah. and yeah. it will read the whole thing out okay. to me and I can, you know... I should probably sit back and just listen, but sometimes I think, oh, can I, I'll just check, see if I've got any new email while that's reading. Um, multitask. <laughs> well, well, now you'll be able to do both, Sharon. So, yes, so let's, uh, let's have a look at how it works. Okay. Well, um, unfortunately, <laughs> um, there's a little bit of setup involved because, as I said, it's not obvious where it is, the speak, and there's no, uh, well, I certainly haven't found a direct shortcut sad i know but there's no direct shortcut to the speak feature so what we have to do is we have to add it to the um quick access toolbar i don't know whether you've really used the quick access toolbar Stuart, at all no i haven't and it's kind of funny because when i hear the quick access toolbar i i very much in my head think of it as a visual thing that is going to have mm. no consequence to me at all um mm-hmm. But but I think um, if my understanding is correct, because we were talking about this off air, you were explaining that you can add different, I suppose, elements or shortcuts to the quick access toolbar, which may actually mm-hmm. make your use of, of well, in this case, Microsoft Word, uh, a little more efficient. Yes, definitely. Um, it is it is like a customization. I'm, I've always like... I've always thought the quick access toolbar was a little bit too mousy for me, but um, it turns out that it could be quite useful. I also, um, I kind of steer clear of customization sometimes because I like to teach how something is when you get it out of the box. Do you know? Um, Yes, but there's a lot to be said about um, doing various customizations to to speed things up. So this, this quick access toolbar is accessible with shortcuts but it's very much uh what you make it there are a few things that are on it um by default but uh, you can make it whatever you want you can add to it so what i'll do is i'll show you how i add the speak feature to the quick access toolbar um so we have to go into some options i've got my nvda she was speaking to me before i assume she's still there Info tab selected info alt F I. Okay. So I um I've I'm in Word, sorry, I neglected to mention that. I have a document open in Word and I've gone to the uh, Alt F for the file menu and it says something about info because that's the first thing on the file menu. But on towards the bottom of the file menu in Word and most applications is something called options. So I can arrow up to go straight to the bottom of the menu and it should be options. Options, options, alt, F, T. Yeah, options. Have you ever ventured into here, Stuart? Yeah, and it is. It's interesting. It is a huge dialogue. There is Mm. so much stuff in here. Um, You do kind of need to know what you're going in to change, don't you? Definitely, definitely. And, uh, okay, this this is actually quite relatively intuitive, but... um, there is a lot, and you'll see as we go through how much stuff is in here. So I'm going to press Enter on Options. Word Options Dialog. 
Word options, dialog, general options for working with Word. Okay. So there's several pages of options here, and you can really, you could spend your life in here. <laughs> but um, I'm going to arrow down through the different categories, and I should get to one called Quick Access Toolbar. So we've got general. Display. Display. Proofing. Save. Language. Advanced. Customize ribbon. Quick access toolbar. Here we go. So quick access toolbar is the what uh, eighth, seventh or eighth category on within the options dialog. And um, and this allows me to add or remove stuff from the quick access toolbar. Um, so I can then tab to go into these options. Choose commands from combo box, popular commands, alt plus C. And you can choose commands from the popular commands. We need to change this because speak is not a popular command. Sorry. Sorry, Simon. <laughs> it's a, it's a it very, it's, it's a very, book, it's a very yeah. hidden away, hidden away feature, clearly. Yeah. It is. It is. Um, now, you can change this to all commands. Um, I actually change this. So if I arrow down, because it's like a combo box. List. Popular commands. List. Here we go. Commands not in the ribbon. So commands not in the ribbon. Um, I'm going to set it to, which just gives me a slightly smaller list than all commands, but I'm still going to have to arrow down. So, But I'll, um, I'll then, I've chosen that, so then I'll tab to the list of commands that are not in the ribbon. Word options dialog customize the quick access toolbar. Customize the quick access toolbar. About. Accept slash reject changes. Account settings. Okay, there's loads of stuff in here. So I can press, it's a list. What do we do in lists? <laughs> we, we press the first letter. So I'm gonna press S for speak. S, save. And it has save. Save, funnily enough, is already on the quick access toolbar. It's the first thing by default on the quick access toolbar, um, as well as undo, redo, and touch mouse mode. So um, that's actually a display, a visual display where it touch mouse mode will actually spread things out on the ribbon in touch mode or squash them up for mouse mode. So it's basically for a touch screen, you can, um, you know, you can tap on something on the ribbon if it's spaced out, otherwise it's difficult to actually position on it. I presume, Sharon, you, you can you can delete these things. So if you didn't want touch mouse mode on the on yeah, the quick access, yeah. you can take it off. Yeah. OK. Yeah, you can. You can. Now, if I find uh, speak. So I'm on save, wasn't I? So unfortunately, there's loads here um, and I can't do, you know, sometimes in lists you can do quickly the first two letters. Yeah. And it will bring you down to anything beginning with those two letters. Uh, it doesn't work on this. <laughs> So I'm going to arrow down. Save, 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 save current theme. Save mail attachments. Ooh. Okay, so there's loads of different saves. Security. Select. And I can keep going. And if I get to T, I know I've gone too far. Send left. Send right, not share. Show document. Show training. Show training. Select. Skip numbering. Um. Space before. Spelling and grammar. We're nearly there, I'd say. Oh. In fact, if we're at spelling, we're probably gone past, past it, yeah. S-P-E. Spelling. 
Speech, speak. Speak, yeah. There's something. Speech bubble, rectangle with corners rounded. Okay. <laughs> speech bubble, That's. I think that's to insert a speech bubble okay. on your document. That's not what we want. Um, we want speak. And whatever you do at this point, when you find the thing that you want to add to the quick access toolbar, do not do what I did when I was practicing this and do not press enter. And it's so funny you say that because in my head was like, <laughs> oh, so I presume you just press enter now. So you don't do that. No, no. Oh, the amount of times. Because um, if you press enter, it doesn't do anything. And you have to go back in, commands not in the ribbon, arrow all the way down to okay. And, and, you know, I press enter again, even. Uh, it's just this automatic reaction, you know. No, you need to press tab at this point because if we tab. Show quick access toolbar below the ribbon checkbox, not checked, alt plus H. Yeah, we'll come back to that. Add greater, greater button, alt plus A. Add, add greater, greater button. So um, you press enter on that one, the add button. And if I press enter on it now. Quick access toolbar dialog. You already have this on the quick access toolbar. It doesn't miss okay a trick, button. does it? <laughs> um, so I already have it on the toolbar. So it's just telling me that um, I don't need to add it. Um, there is another list in this dialog which shows the ones that are already on. If I can tab to it, I think. Customize, customize quick access toolbar list. These, save. Yeah, so these are the ones that are on that I was saying. Save. Undo. Redo. Touch slash mouse mode. Speak. So I have speak on it already. So um, so I'm just going to go down to OK. So you'd press enter on add and then tab. Reset drop down. Import move up. OK button eventually to the OK button and press enter. Pressed. Accessible documents, notes, SS dot. Okay, and this is notes on, on producing accessible documents <laughs> um, as my example document. Um, so now the quick access toolbar is above the ribbons. So it's right up in the top left-hand corner of the screen uh, when you're using Word of the window in Word. Um, there was a, something I skipped over there where I could have put it underneath the ribbon. So I don't know whether that might be useful for people with low vision. If they want to use the quick access toolbar, they might be able to find it easier if it was actually below the ribbon, just above the document, you know. And I guess that might depend on the type of magnification you're using and, and the software. So yes. you, you probably have to play around with that a little bit yourself. Yes. Yeah, I'd say, yeah. But that is the option. You remember I tapped past it. So I I found speak in the list of things, not commands, not on ribbon. And then I tabbed to the add button. But, but before the add button, there was a, an option to move the quick access toolbar. Okay, so now um, everything on the quick access toolbar is um, accessed <laughs> by pressing alt and the number corresponding to where it is on the quick access toolbar. So remember the first one was save. So I can do Alt-1 and it will save. So you know how your ribbons, you do Alt-H for home, Alt-P for page layout and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. Well, Alt-1 will actually bring you to the first thing on the toolbar. Alt-2 is the second, Alt-3 is the third, Alt-4 is the fourth, etc. And speak is actually the fifth one 
so it would be alt 5 to actually do the speak one so what i'm going to do is i'm going to um highlight um let's see page 4 v page 3 selection just, just finding an interesting um trying to find an interesting paragraph to um right to select so i'm going to select paragraph so to control so i'm at the start of the paragraph and i'm going to do control shift and down alternative text is needed in word documents to provide a non-visual means of representing the content or function of an image okay so this Yes, thank and, you. And it's important to say that this is <laughs> this is NVDA reading this document at the moment because it said selected. Yeah. So you've highlighted the, the paragraph, rather. NVDA has read it, says selected, and now you're going to invoke this speak uh, command. Now I'm going to invoke the speech, yes, which is going to do the same thing, basically. But, um, you know, imagine if you didn't have a screen reader yeah. or if you wanted to just hear it differently, like you were saying, which is a really good example of when it would be useful. So I'm going to do alt Five, I think it was. Alternative text is needed in Word documents to provide a non-visual means of representing the content or function of an image. There and actually, go. actually, that's great because it read it in the US voice. So your default yes. TTS within Word anyway must be US. Yeah. So it was very clear yeah. to know which one was reading. It's funny because um, I've tried this in a few because this actually works in Outlook. Mm-hmm and um excel um and what was the other ones one note if you use one note and powerpoint it works in powerpoint as well obviously in every single one you'd have to go and add it to the quick toolbar quick uh, access toolbar um in every application um but what i found was in some and maybe this is a reflection of me not having my office set up properly. But um, in some applications, it was a an English voice, and in some, it was a US English voice. <laughs> so um, yeah, UK English, and, and so I'm not sure why it it went between the two. But 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 I suppose certainly yeah. for for people who might be using NVDA with eSpeak or JAWS with Eloquence, you 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 would probably find that your default your default system voice outside of that screen reader is not going to be eloquence or e-speak so you would straight away hear the difference in the voice that you're mm. that you're hearing which is which is really good um so as you say i'm going to go and play with this once we've finished recording <laughs> this piece sharon it's <laughs> fantastic great um yeah and sometimes it's just sometimes it's just nice to hear something in a different voice anyway isn't it even not not just for kind of proofreading or, or testing yeah, absolutely. Or, or as you yeah. say, this idea of being able to to leave something reading and doing something else with the computer, uh, which is nice as well. And you are a master at multitasking on the on the computer, Stuart. I have to say, well, I don't know if it always <laughs> works. <laughs> um, okay, so that's the the speak feature, and many thanks mm. to to Simon for sending that into us. And I suppose it that's it. And just to mention that that's an example of where we love the fact when listeners actually get in touch and say, "Oh, can you talk about this feature? Here's a feature." On this instance, it was one that Sharon and I didn't know about, but mm. actually, mm-hmm. I'm. Even as as I'm talking now, I'm thinking of loads of uses for this uh, speak feature. So thank you, uh, Simon. Very, yeah. very much appreciated. Yeah, and actually thinking of that, um, you know, we, we always, like none of us know everything. <laughs> um, contrary to, <laughs> to belief, none of us know everything. And um, 
after I might just do a shout out. I hope he doesn't mind. But uh, my friend in Malta, Anthony, um, emailed me last uh, last week sometime and asked me, how do I add another person to a Skype call? You know, so if you're on a Skype call and you're going to add another person on. Now, you, sh- you probably know this, Stuart, but I didn't actually know the shortcut. Um, and it's like something like Control-Shift-A or something really. Well, I, really, I wouldn't yeah, have just uh, in answer to your friend Anthony's question, and Anthony, hello, and thank you for getting in touch. I, I would have done, I, I, I didn't know that keystroke either, by the way, I would have gone into the list of contacts, found the contact I wanted to add, press the applications key, go down to add to call, or uh, I think it's called invite to call actually. Um, yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't have known that. So yeah, brilliant. Oh, absolutely brilliant. See, we just uh, it, it, you just learn so much when you start chatting to people and uh, and and people send things in or just somebody asks you a question and you just go off and and find out for them. It's it's um, it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, right, Sharon. Thanks very much for coming on. As always, uh, in May we're going to be actually kind of going back towards files and folders and talking a little bit about. Yeah. Um, how to manage files and folders in terms of viewing them in a, a more kind of um, an efficient or an accessible way because some of that stuff has definitely changed in Windows 10 mm-hmm. in particular. Um, but for the moment, Sharon, thank you very much and uh, happy Easter. Thank you, Stuart. Yes, happy Easter. Don't eat too much chocolate now. Okay, okay. <laughs> bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> You're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast. It's always nice to meet people who are uh, who love technology and who are doing interesting things with technology. And I have the opportunity to do that today. I'm delighted to welcome Jackie Brown to our podcast. Jackie, you're very welcome. Thank you. Hi, Stuart. Hi, everyone. Great to have you in Dublin. It's, it's uh, great to be here. <laughs> good, good stuff. So I, I, I would suspect that uh, some, if not many, if not all of our listeners are familiar with your name um, from my I suppose you, you've been involved in technology for quite a while, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I've loved uh, all kinds of assistive technology, really, since I started using it in the 80s. I began with the BBC Acorn and worked my way onto DOS and then Windows and obviously JAWS, uh, Window Eyes, NVDA, all the, the major screen readers. And I just I love Braille and I just love using anything techie, really. When you mentioned DOS, I, I always think, you know, were you one of these people who were using WordPerfect 5.1? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> With how? With how? Yes. Yeah. I, I remember there was there was so many keystrokes in WordPerfect. They were all around the function keys. That's right. I still remember them to this yeah. day, you know. Yeah, and it, and it was a real... Uh, well, it was quite a shock, really, to start using Word because it's very different. But uh, now I'm used to it. I'd, I, I don't think I would go back now, really. Okay. I suppose for you, and we've been talking off-air during the day-to-day, technology plays such a huge part in your life. You've been, as you say, you've been interested in technology for a long time. What's, what's, what's big for you at the moment? What are you using? What are you impressed with that's out there? Because there's so much out there. At the moment, isn't there is. I, I use Braille uh, on my computer. I have a Braille display. I'm lucky to, to have one. Uh, they are a luxury. I realize that, especially if it's an 80 cell. Um, so I, I use Braille as well as uh, JAWS and uh, NVDA, primarily those two. Um, I have an Amazon Echo 
So, you know, that's the, the new thing. That's the new kid on the block, if you like, in the UK anyway. Um, and obviously you've got it here as well, haven't you? You've got one. Yeah, and one of the things that I've been, and I'm always interested to talk to people outside of Ireland who are using the Echo because it's a lot more functional in the UK than it is in Ireland at the moment. Anyway. Yeah, there are lots of skills um, that you can use. And if you go to Amazon, the Amazon website, uh, they have a whole uh, section devoted to uh, Alexa skills. So that's uh, that, that's the new thing that's that's quite good fun and, and obviously has a use as well, good use for blind people. Um I have an iPhone, which I've had for quite a while, so I'm I'm used to iOS. Um, I'm also I've sort of started to get into the Sonus range of wireless speakers, and I have to say that the the controller, as it's called, the app that works with iOS and Windows, is superb. It is so good and so accessible. So if anybody's thinking about going for wireless speakers, I warn you, they're very expensive, but the, the sound. Is is amazing but also the accessibility is as well i'm sort of afraid to see them because i'd be afraid i want to buy them <laughs> yeah. it's not a good idea at the moment. no um so one of the things that i know you're you're passionate about braille you've written about braille and we'll talk about that in a sec what's what do you think about the future of where it's such an interesting um juncture in braille at the moment aren't we with so many refreshable displays beginning to come on the market price is going to be a big thing are you excited by all this? Oh, I certainly am. I can't wait to, to hear about all the, the Braille innovations that are coming. You know, there's supposed to be a Braille watch, smart watch coming called the Dot. There's I've heard of something else called the Bly Tab, which is a, a, you know, a Braille tablet. Then obviously HumanWare have their Braille Note Touch, which they launched last year. Uh, for some people, that, that obviously meets their requirements as well. So the, there's a lot going on. There's, there's Bristol Braille, obviously, with the Canute, which I came here today to have a look at so that there is so much going on and i think um, most people want to see the orbit because um, that's going to be you know a, at an affordable price compared to what some of the the braille displays are out there and i think that's the big thing uh, braille will have a future as long as the prices can be kept down because people are just turned off by these huge you know sums of money they just can't you know for some people it's just a, a dream it's not a reality and and if the prices continue to stay at such a high level or continue to go up then that is gonna you know limit the the amount that people can use them it's a it's a really interesting time i think for people who are thinking about getting into refreshable braille isn't it because we've certainly in ncbi here when people have asked us and when people have asked me in the last six months i found myself saying to people just hold off a little bit longer because something's going to happen that's yeah. going to, that you're going to save money and We've, we've kind of been telling people to hold and hold and hold and I think something will happen but it's a matter of when it will happen and what might happen and I suppose the, the, the multi-line you mentioned the canute and the orbit it's, it is a very it's going to be a, a, a sort of for Braille I think it's going to be exciting yeah indeed and and I I've used Braille most of my life uh, over well just over 50 years now so you know, I I love to see all the innovations. I love to see what's happening with all the, the Braille displays. And that's really what took me to writing about it, you know, for my book. 
So let's talk about the book, which is one of the main reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast. You, you've written, you published, uh, I think, just before Christmas. Is that right? That's right, yeah. Um, I spent all last year working on um, what started off as a, as a document um, about different Braille displays. Why would people use them? The different uses that they have. Um, there are different types. Uh, there are note takers with lots of added bells and whistles. And there are just straightforward Braille displays that you can pair with your iPhone or your Android device and use as a refreshable display, display on that. And uh, it, I realized that there were so many more than I had thought of and I started to ask the companies if they would lend me displays so that I could get some hands on and get a real feel for what they offered and then the, the, the document really went from there and I spoke to Jonathan Mosen who um, is a guy I'm sure lots of your listeners have heard of from New Zealand he's very much into technology and he's he's totally blind himself and he is into publishing a bit now and when I put the idea to him he sort of wow you know can you do this and 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 that's it came about so I worked with this title uh, Braille on Display and it, it it came to fruition I got it published um, in in December. What was the reaction when you were sort of initially approaching companies saying hey I'm gonna write this book can I borrow your technology? Because it, it sounds to me like for them that they must have been pretty excited about this, really. Yeah, most of them were really good, actually. Most of the big players uh, were very accommodating um, and they said that I could borrow stuff. There were one or two who were very reticent about it because they felt, you know, sending over a Braille display that costs, you know, such a lot of money, uh, well, you know, you could see it at an exhibition. And I said, well, that's not really ideal because I need to have some hands-on. I need to put it through its paces to describe it and all that kind of stuff that you can't really do in 10 minutes. Uh, so most people really were, you know, very uh, receptive, very helpful um, and, you know... Um, uh, the book, I have to say, I've, I was really pleasantly surprised. It's been so well received. A lot of people have bought it just just purely for the shop window uh, benefit of, of just looking to see what's in it. You know, what's what's out there, you know, what, what would benefit them really. And, you know, that, that of course, uh, it's not just individual users, it's, you know, trainers of IT as well. I think that's what I liked about it was that you've, obviously thoroughly looked at a whole load of displays and note takers in preparation to write this book and even if you show somebody one maybe you know organizations like ourselves might only have one or two braille displays available to show people this is something that somebody can read in their own time and really get a balanced view of what works and what what features each particular device has yeah i tried to to be honest and i tried to be uh, balanced and objective because i felt there was no point in writing something that you know just just to please the people that had loaned me the displays it was never my intention to do it that way um i did say to everybody look i am going to be honest you know if i if i find that there are flaws in this then i will i will say so um and and they were fine with that you know that that was you know i'm entitled to an opinion and and that's you know that was fine but it but it did it allowed me to give a, a, a real honest overview of, of what you know the, a display or a note taker could do and its shortcomings and I had a table at the end uh, so that um, you know things like yes it connects via Bluetooth um, 
it tells you the number of cells, tells you the weight, uh, the, the dimensions, um, where you can get it. There's all kinds of information about each Braille display at the end of the book. There's two appendices. So that's, you know, that, that was important for me to, to do that as well. Okay, fantastic. So the book is uh, Braille on Display and available through Mosin Consulting, isn't it? That's right, yeah. It's uh, www.mosin.org forward slash Braille on Display and it's 35 US dollars. And we'll put that link on the show notes for this episode. Jackie, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I think it's exciting. I think we want to bring you back as Braille continues to evolve and the technology to allow us to access it. But for the moment, thanks a million for joining us. Thank you very much. Now, on our November podcast, you may remember we spoke with Kerry Doyle, who's a bit of an Apple and iOS guru. She's been part of our panel over the last couple of years when we've talked about all that's new in iOS. And I've always enjoyed Kerry's insights into technology and I suppose particularly into Apple technology. Well, last week I was speaking with Kerry and she told me that she's made a significant and uh, dramatic and major move to what some of those of us who use iOS, some of us at least would call the dark side, maybe unfairly so, and Kerry's back to tell us from her home in Manchester. Kerry, welcome back. Hello, Stuart. Thank you for having me once again. Great to have you back. I'm kind of, uh, you know, we've been just chatting off air and I, I kind of said to you that I didn't want to know too much until we came on air because mm-hmm. I'm still flabbergasted mm-hmm. that you've left mm-hmm. iOS. You're not using an iPhone anymore. <laughs> no is, is this is this correct, no. first of all? And just this to, is just, correct. Okay, and last time we spoke to you, you were, you, you just bought a, an iPhone 7 and they're not cheap yes. devices and they're great. And by the way, I got one a couple no. of weeks ago they're, after saying I wouldn't mm-hmm. on this podcast. So in the interest yeah, of yeah. full disclosure, <laughs> I went and got an iPhone 7 because yeah, I got yeah. a, an upgrade. Um, yeah. Uh, so you're you're not using your iPhone? No, I don't have my iPhone anymore. Okay, so let's talk about because you know you were a big iOS person coming on our yes. panel every year. Don't know if you'll be on next year. Yeah. I hope you will. I hope you'll come back. <laughs> uh, and then suddenly you're moving to Android. Why? So I, you know what I I have a really strong interest as you as you know in in tech in general um, and. In assistive tech, I guess, really, just I'm predisposed to that, I guess, as we all are a little bit. But uh, so assistive tech and, and, and sort of accessibility and and mobile devices and how they work and why they work and all this kind of stuff. And so I didn't like um, that I, I had tried Android a few times and it never worked out for me. And then I went to see a friend a few weeks ago and he left me for about, I'd say, 30, 40 seconds, maybe a minute with his phone and um, I asked him a few things, you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I just kind of, yeah, I, I think I almost made the decision right there in, in, in that minute, literally. It was like, you know what? This really is at the place now where I can I can move and, you know, just see how it goes and, and it's a proper, proper choice. Whereas before it never, it never ever was. And, um, I didn't really like kind of recommending something out of ignorance, if you know what I mean. So I would recommend iOS to somebody, but I would do that because really it was all I knew. Um, And I'm not, don't get me wrong, 
I'm not disrespecting it, you know. Is it well implemented? Yes. Is it well done? Yes. Are the phones well built? Absolutely. Have Apple gone above and beyond with their commitment to accessibility? Yes, they have. But now, and I think everyone would would agree, you know, in the past few years, there hasn't been anything, you know, accessibility-wise that we could kind of really get excited about. With TalkBack now and Android, it's only just beginning. I feel like singing that Carpenter song, and only just begun. Okay, and, um, and, and it's, it's, it's kind yeah. of interesting because you've mentioned the fact that maybe in the past, and let's say in the past, because you're going to tell us all the great mm. things, I think, people would have talked yes. about the fact that iOS, it was great. And, and I, I've, I've openly said on this podcast before, and, and I think I said it to you, I, and my experiences of Android before, if I was to summarize it very quickly, where that there was for me a lack of consistency. I, I found it very difficult. I didn't feel the gestures always responded in the same way. We spoke to Dave Nason uh-huh. last year on this podcast, and, and I, th- I think he said something similar. But you, you're now, you, you've, you've clearly, things are moving on, and it's, it's really important that we say this that Google are always implementing, and because there's so many devices out there i suppose running android there's greater scope is there for i suppose enhancements and ongoing updating um i think think what what google Google have have done over the past few years and now continue to do is really to listen um i think they're listening a lot more to their users i think they want to make a success of you know android accessibility of android sort of in general not that and and i think we can kind of see you know yeah, there are a lot of iPhones around the place, but there are a lot of Android devices around the place. And um, I think for us now, it's a proper choice. You know what I mean? We can, we can actually decide, you know, what what do I value? What do I want? What do I actually want to be able to do on a, on a daily basis with um, with a phone? Do I want to be able to, for example, just briefly, because I'll talk about this in greater detail when you want, but... Uh, change my synthesizer, change my default ringtones, um, you know, decide that on this day I, I want to have eloquence, on this day I want to have, you know, a cappella or, or um, you know, any of the other sort of Ivona or any of those other other things. Um, do I want to use a different email app than the default email app? Do I want to use a different um, music player or a different audiobook player or or any any number of, of things you know that we just and I'm not only saying this now because I, because I've gone but we don't have as much flexibility with with iOS and that's not even mentioning the capabilities and flexibility that Google Assistant gives which I I definitely want to speak about at some point during during the course course of the conversation conversation. okay and we'll talk about all these things in a minute before we do that you you mentioned for example iMessage a couple of minutes ago and Mm -hmm. iMessage is this um, as this I suppose um, uh, um, system that is used for uh, Apple iOS and Mac devices to communicate free around the world and I suppose we all love iMessage and when you told me the other day i'm moving to android i was thinking because you and i would be texting each other i was thinking how am i going to contact kerry and now i'm thinking we've been texting over the last couple of days using whatsapp and i'm thinking there's no difference doesn't make any difference anymore i have to say for um so this is and again i I preface this point by saying this is just me being fussy right um if i had a a group of friends or just anyone really if i was going to get enough use out of it i would buy 
um, because I have a lot of experience of it now over the last couple of months, I would buy a Team Talk server and I would say, hey, look, lads, get this app on your phone. It's free for you to download. Whoever um, wants the server pays for the server. And this, um, because I I guess I am used to, for example, the sound quality of FaceTime audio, for example. And while WhatsApp is perfect for messages in terms of its call quality, I'm not saying it's not good. I'm just saying it's not, um, it's not what I would would prefer, you know? Um, So if I want to be really awkward and sort of, fussy and finicky and whatever about oh, sound, sound quality, quality. Oh. I would probably do something like this but for messages and voice messages in particular WhatsApp is absolutely perfect and so it makes no difference whatsoever yeah all right let's talk about a few of the things you've mentioned things that I certainly I'm very interested in but before we do that the phone because the thing about Android of course is there are so many phones and you can get just about anything yes. out there with Android what did you get and yes. do you like it and you know I suppose um, roughly how much is it all that kind of stuff Okay, so what I did was I bought a device called um, a Pixel, a Google Pixel. So this is Google's own device. So I guess it's kind of the equivalent of an iPhone in that it's made by the same company that make the software. So Google make Android, Google make the Pixel. So um, in that way, it is, for example, first and fastest to receive things like system updates um, I mean, you, I did for a brief time have um, a Samsung Galaxy S7 um, and there's nothing wrong with, with Samsung phones at all. I'm actually currently in the process of trying to put the Samsung uh, notifications onto my Pixel because I, <laughs> because I like those sounds. Um, strange but true. And so um, I did have a Samsung Galaxy S7 for a bit, um, but I ultimately... Um, traded that in and, and got a, a Pixel. Um, I have to say, I think the, the Pixel between the Pixel and the iPhone, honestly, I don't notice any difference. And I do all the same stuff as I was doing on my iPhone I, every day. I do it on my Pixel now. Um, and so I don't know. I really don't notice any difference. In terms of price, then, Kerry, because so Pixel is is a Google phone. Um, would yes, I be yes. would I be right in thinking that when I mean, you say similar to the iPhone, are, are we talking about a similar mm-hmm. price point as well? Absolutely, Absolutely yes. yes. So, so there, there are, are two sizes in the Pixel. You can get thirty two gigabytes, and then there's a one two eight. I'm not sure if there are any one. Uh, before that there's no 64 gig pixel so i I think it's just 32 or 128 um as far as i know the um 128 gig is um 699 and um the um the 32 gig which is what i have is is 599 in this pixel in particular now it may change in the second generation pixel but there is no um, SD card slot or anything like that. If you got a Samsung for yourself, you would... Um, the Samsung phones have um, the facility to extend uh, storage and things like that. So again, that may be another consideration for somebody. And again, we don't get that option with, with Apple either. Um and people might say, well, you don't have that option now. Okay, I don't now, but I, I could. And also, you know, this is what I've chosen. But I'm just saying, I think I think the whole Android thing just gives us um, a lot more flexibility, I, I guess, you know? 
of the other things in relation to a Google phone, and I was only talking to Colin Kenny about this recently, because Colin, like yourself, moved from iOS to the dark side yeah. two years ago, and he got a Google phone, and, and he bought it SIM-free because uh, it's not available through yeah. the yeah. providers here. But he was making the point yeah. that you'll get the updates when they get released, that you're not waiting around for the manufacturers to do other things. Because it's a Google phone, it's Google Update, it comes on the device. Exactly, yeah. And I mean, I suppose the other thing um, now you can change all of this stuff as well. But the other thing about kind of having something that is not um, specifically Google, I like Samsung as well. Don't get me wrong. So I'm not saying anything about, but say with it, with a manufacturer like Samsung or Sony or HTC or any of those guys, they can make little kind of UI uh, changes and stuff like that. And so that may sort of in- interfere with your um, accessibility experience. So your, your, um, uh, ability to kind of use talkback and things, but um, what I would say is you can you can change all of those things so that it's not um, you know it's not not an issue. You can put you know several different um, home screens on and things like this. So that there's all that there. So it doesn't. You may buy a Samsung phone because you like the look of it or or whatever, but and you can still sort of do everything that you need to to do even even with a phone like that but it's just maybe out of the box it mightn't be as fabulous as as the kind of stock experience if that makes any sense all right so shiny new android pixel arrives you're very excited you take it out of the box how did (laughs) how did the whole experience work of setting up because i had my iphone 7 a couple of weeks ago turned it on hit my home (laughs) button three times and you know it, it it didn't disappoint so basically what um what you do is when you turn the device on you obviously, as well, you need a, a Google account with, with which to kind of sign in and then it'll link to your Play Store purchases and all those kind of things. So that's just something to be mindful of, but no different to needing an iCloud account to set up an iPhone. So basically, you turn on the device and you hold two fingers um, on the screen and then um, TalkBack comes on. Uh, a little tutorial is, is launched and then you can proceed to set up your phone in exactly the same way as one would set up an iPhone. So absolutely no, no problem doing that. Let's talk about some of the things that you really wanted to flag for us. And I suppose the one, the most interesting one, at least one of the most interesting ones, the ones that I've always found interesting, and I have to say really exciting about Android is this idea of changing speech synthesizers and having pretty much whatever synthesizer you want. You're not restricted by what you are given on the phone. And in fact, you and I, Kerry, I remember a couple of years ago on the old Motorola Android apps, Android phones we were playing with, we were experimenting with uh, the Eloquence speech engine, which is known to people who use JAWS and maybe NVDA and other screen readers. You can yeah. get Eloquence for Android, mm-hmm. can't you? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you buy it, um, I think it only costs about £15. I haven't bought it this time around, but um, yeah, I did have it at one point. Um, and I, I, yeah, I like it. I mean, I don't think... To be honest with you, um, you know, Google, um, Google's own TTS has kind of come such a long way that there's no real need. But I also do have one or two acapella voices uh, installed. So if I if I take the notion, I can just kind of change those on any given given day. Um, so, yeah. But I mean, if, if you if somebody did want eloquence, it's, it's no problem. Okay, and there are, I mean, obviously, that's just one voice. There are loads of other voices, aren't there, that you can that you can load onto your phone? Oh, so many voices, so many companies. Oh my God, just, just, yeah, it's, it's like a, 
um, I don't know. It's like a, a, a cheese board of synthesizers or something. <laughs> cheese board of synthesizers. I like that. Like, cheese board of synthesizers. <laughs> I'll have my dinner and synthesizer, yeah. please. <laughs> okay, let's yeah. let's talk a bit about um, one of the things that Dave Nason, I remember, said last year when we talked about Android. And, and again, I'm very conscious. This was um, at least six months ago. So, And this is the thing. Things change mm-hmm. so fast. But Dave was making the point that Pretty much every app that we would have found on our iPhones that lots of us use here, Dublin Bus, for example, TuneIn Radio, um, you know, there's there's loads of them. They all exist for Android. Mm -hmm. He would have said some of them were a little more rough around the edges from an accessibility perspective. There might be the odd unlabeled button. Are are you finding that or is is it getting better? Um, okay, so, I mean, there are unlabeled buttons around the place. Um, I won't lie about that. Um, but I haven't found any bother fi- kind of finding stations, listening to what I want to listen to. Um, I don't have any problem, to be fair, to be honest with you. Um, and I would, I would be honest. I, I'm not. Because to be honest, this whole thing is still as much of a surprise to myself as it is to you and everyone who will, you know, listen to this. I can't actually believe I've completely ditched my iPhone and, and you know, <laughs> so we sort of just kind of said good luck, see you bye um, to Apple, as it were, and 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 I don't, yeah, I can't really, and I don't regret it, and I don't miss it, so I still can't really believe that. So yeah, I mean, there are differences, um, there are differences, but then there are ways in which you know, Android completely outshines iOS in just every conceivable way. It, it, it's just. Yeah, I don't know. There are so many ways. Did it help you, having come from iOS, where you, I suppose you'd used a lot of these apps already and you understand the sort of exploring a touchscreen, do you think someone coming to Android fresh to touchscreens would be any harder or not? Because it sounds to me, for example, you mentioned this tutorial that TalkBack has. That sounds like a great idea. Yeah, I mean, I don't think so. And I think um, in certain ways, like web browsing on Android is amazing. Um, you know the way, so for example, um, let me speak in comparison um, terms here. So if you want, I don't know if you do this a lot, I certainly did. Um, I don't know if you use Safari a lot on your iPhone. So say if you're browsing a website mm-hmm. and you know, you know the, website the website quite, quite well and you want to go um, by different elements, so headings, links, this kind of way. What we need to do in iOS, as we all know, is to use the, the rotor, the little twisty dial-like gesture until voiceover says headings or links or whatever. Um, With Google, there's a much, much simpler way of of doing that. Um, All you literally do is flick one finger up or down and TalkBack will announce headings, links, whatever. And then you just flick left or right to go by that um, particular element. So in that way, you know, it's a lot um, easier than... Um, you know, than how iOS uh, uh, does, does things. It's worth mentioning as well, just as a kind of an aside and, and just as a way of sort of saying how usable it is. The Pixel doesn't actually have any physical buttons, buttons on, on it. It, it has, has a physical it. power button and it has a physical um, volume sort of uh, switch, if you want, but it doesn't have any physical buttons on the screen. So the home button, the back button, and the sort of app switcher button which is called Overview in Android, all of those buttons are not physical buttons. There's not even a, something that resembles the shape of a button on a, on a Pixel at all. So, um, um, 
And and you've been yeah, yeah. obviously using that with no problem because I, I know in Android typically you have the the buttons at the ba- ba- bottom of the screen, don't you? But you have your home, your they are, yeah, 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 back and, and home, home, back and overview. So home is kind of in the center where we would expect to find a home button, say on an iPhone, iPhone or, or Samsung, Samsung or whatever. whatever. The back button is just to the left of that, and the overview button it, or the app switcher button, if you like, is to the right of that. I don't know anything about Google now, which is uh, you're you're very impressed with. Am I am I thinking of a more complex version of Siri, a more maybe uh, enhanced version of Siri? Would that be correct? Okay, so I think I think to be honest, Google's Google now Google's assistant um, just completely you know outshines is not even a word. I mean, um, you you can just do so many things with with it. For example. Um, you can ask it to call places that are not in your contacts. You can ask it, you know, opening hours of of places, cafes or restaurants or shops or anything like that. It will tell you that. You can get it to call shops, taxi companies. Um, I can only presume you can get it to call the restaurants anywhere, anything. I mean, if you if you ask Siri to do something like that, it just wouldn't be able to to do it. Um, and I I don't honestly know why it's so well integrated you can also do other things like tell it to play specific things i know you can do that with siri and apple music you can get it to play certain things but you can also get the google assistant to play things um on youtube or you could say search youtube for this search youtube for that you know um and again i guess that's because google youtube it's all you know they're they're all holding hands there nicely sort of thing so maybe that's why that is um, but it's but just, it's just I, just, I just find it, I think it's one of the, like, it's, for me, for me it's, the, it's best the best implementation of a personal assistant I've ever seen, ever. Okay, um, maybe b- just before we, we let you go, and I think this won't be the only chat we have about Android with you, by the way, because I have a feeling you're going to be continuing to discover more things to bring to mm. us. But um, <laughs> one, of the, one of the reasons people are reluctant to move to a new operating system more lately is because they've invested heavily not just in a handset or a device but in the apps that support that device so for example over the years i don't know what i've spent on apps i i guess i could go through Mm -hmm. the app store and find out but outside of the free apps i've I've made a fair few purchases of you know one euro two euro i remember at one point there was a calendar syncing program we were using with our old email system in work it cost 9.99 but i bought it because i really needed it and i used it all the time i don't use it anymore but you know i I think over the years if i was to add up and i'm sure if you were to add up you've made a sizable investment Mm. into an operating system that now you've had to go away from was that in any way in your mind as you were making the move um, I mean, I guess n- not so much in terms of the tiny purchases. purchases. I'll, tell I'll tell you something, something that I did really bef- not so long at all before I moved away from, from Android. I found this amazing app. Somebody recommended it to me on iOS called Nature Space. And what it is, it's a lot of, it's um, kind of real surround sound audio recorded with these amazing microphones and stuff. And it's all these different soundscape so waves thunderstorms islands all this kind of thing and so i bought a good few um of the of the soundscapes on ios and i i don't remember how much i spent but i I spent a bit you know um and i was worried that things like that wouldn't be accessible on android that it would or that it wouldn't be there you know um but it is and and i bought you know all the different 
soundscapes and stuff and did all that. So I suppose from from that point of view, if there's any, if there was many of those significant purchases, I guess it would have been a thing. But because there's not loads, um, and it's a one-time thing as well, that it didn't really bother me. But I can I can see what you're saying. I mean, um, I've subscribed to Google Music now as well, um, and I've sort of unsubscribed from from Apple and, and, and things like that. So, so I mean, I think the good thing now versus maybe a few years ago is we can kind of take our musical preferences and stuff with us wherever we go, you know, because there's so many sort of streaming services and things like that. You know, it, it's, it's not such a big deal. All right. Have to ask you this before we let you go. Uh, Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference usually happens in June. They start talking mm-hmm. about not only the new version of iOS, but they'll start dro- dropping hints about the iPhone and, and more things will get mm-hmm. going over the summer. I- I'm afraid yeah, yeah. that I'm going to ring you up someday and you're going to be there. I want the new iPhone. Are you nervous to watch it? Or are you just going to blank yourself out from it altogether? Um, yeah, that, that's a really good question. Um, I mean, I know that some um, new iPhones have just been released, um, the red ones, uh, iPhone 7 product red. I know that that's just been announced um, really recently. So um, I I guess I, I probably... I probably wouldn't watch it just because I'm not an Apple user anymore. But I think even if I did, it wouldn't really affect me now because I, I've kind of really... I don't regret my my choice and I, I I think it's really good that, you know, things are at a place now where we do, we have a, a proper, proper choice, you know, do I want to use iOS or do I want to use Android and and sort of to weigh up the things that, that the two operating systems represent. So I don't think so. I can't, I, can't, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't say, say no for sure because you just don't know. I don't know myself sometimes, you know. So, um, but I don't think so is my honest answer. I don't think so. All right. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll drip feed you the news from WWDC so that you don't, <laughs> don't get too upset, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, Kerry, yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks for sharing your story. I, I think we'd be talking to you soon again anyway. Um, but for the moment, have fun with Android and all the exploring that that fun brings. And uh, look forward to catch up with you soon. Yes, thank you very much. Many thanks to Kerry there. Uh, sorry for the strange echoes, by the way, during that interview. We recorded that interview using um, TeamTalk, which is the new online software we're going to use for our virtual technology club. But I used TeamTalk's recording functionality to uh, produce that piece. And I think I should have used the audio production software I use for the rest of the podcast, which is an application called SoundForge. So I I've learned from that. Apologies to Kerry. Uh, I didn't uh, realise that all that echoey stuff was there until afterwards, so I tried to minimise it where I could. Anyway, uh, it's 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 really important, I think, and interesting for us to follow Android accessibility and great news that that you know it, it really does seem to have come on and it really does seem to be usable and Kerry's happy and you know if Kerry's happy and she is a tech guru then uh, that has really good hope for the future now that's just about it thank you as always for listening and thank you to our contributors this month Sharon Lyons Jackie Brown and of course Kerry Doyle uh, join us in May I mentioned already we'll be talking to Paul Trainer and also Neil Ashworth NCBI's regional manager for the south uh, of the country will be along to talk to us about 
about digital skills. Uh, right, that's it. Have a great month. Happy Easter and talk to you in May. From Stuart Lawler, take care and goodbye. Goodbye.